During COVID-19, I had much time to reflect on whether your last stand impacted left-wing politics. I'm not sure it did. Politics like entertainment are filled with endless content today, most of which is superficial. To the policymakers, I reckon you were a mascot dog that could be dragged out to inspire people, but hopefully not too much. In the hearts of ordinary people, you carved a spot, but that has already faded, like the color in a cheap t-shirt after a few spins in the wash. The establishment is glad you were gone because you were a problem. You weren't from the media class, business class, political class, or even working class. You were just an elderly person who'd lived through too many misfortunes in life, but wasn't bitter against ordinary people, only those that had led us down a road to perdition. You despised all who had fucked us over and fucked society over. You summed up the mess we were in when you were asked to comment on David Cameron's economic policy and succinctly said on live television, it's bullshit. Let's face it, the news media was already tiring of you before you died because you refused to denounce Corbyn. You didn't think it was proper that others were dragging him down for their political or journalistic ambitions. It's not about the people, it's about their influence and what they can extract from Corbyn's downfall, you said to me. Few newspapers in those last years were willing to pay you for your essays, but we decided it was better to have your views known, so you settled for published articles rather than payment for your writing. In your brilliant blaze across British political society in your last years, it frustrated many influential people that you couldn't be marketed as sentimental treacle for a bygone age where people still had patriotism for the country. You dispelled that nonsense in the essay you wrote in 2014 for Remembrance Sunday. In that piece, you proudly and defiantly stated you refused to wear a poppy to whitewash Britain's wars of aggression in Afghanistan and Iraq. It was a superb essay. But it also meant you were unmarketable to a nation addicted to nostalgia for a non-existent past redolent in tunes of glory. Had you lived to see Captain Tom Moore elevated to represent the best from your generation, I know you would have given me such a bullocking. Why couldn't have I just paced up and down a bloody garden rather than tramped around Britain, Europe, and Canada like a bloody vagabond for socialism? You would have chided me. The thing is, Captain Tom Moore, unlike you, was the perfect mascot for the status quo and the 1%, because he was from your generation, but also the upper middle class. He ticked all the boxes because he was a Yorkshireman with a broad accent, but also an officer during the last great war. His hundred laps around the garden campaign for NHS charities, fiercely hit by COVID on the eve of his 100th birthday, was manna from heaven for a Tory government being attacked for their disastrous pandemic policies. After the media hoisted him on the national stage as a mythical symbol of the greatest generation's continued self-sacrifice, it was a frenzy of adulation reminiscent of the days of Princess Di. In the space of six weeks, the captain received a two-book deal from a major publisher and was knighted for his services, which seemed more about preserving Boris Johnson's government than representing any heroic action. It was like something out of a war novel. And like a character in satirical fiction, the captain traveled to Barbados during a time when vacationing abroad wasn't widely recommended, where upon his return contracted COVID and died. He was buried with full military honors like a pound shop Nelson in a country raised on pound shop patriotism. That was an excerpt from my book, I Stood with Harry, a memoir about being the son and comrade of the world's oldest rebel.